I am planning on having a fall that is dynamic, where we are moving in the spirit and seeing people come into this place and having their lives transformed. We got to be focused. We got to be in it. We got to be ready for it. We've got to be following the Lord. And so I'm trusting the Lord in you as you're trusting him in me as we're going to move forward together. See that happen. There are too many lost people out there that we're not reaching. We're just not reaching them. And so we got to reach them. And that's both what we do in here so that when they come here, they can be blessed and they can have relationships with you and they can be welcomed and we can have hospitality. But we got to find different ways, all kinds of different ways to get to them because they need Jesus just like you've needed Jesus, just like I need Jesus. And so we're going to work on that this fall. Meanwhile, let's get into today's message. So I'm going to finish this real quick. It's, yeah, it's, uh, hang on. Yeah, thanks. Uh, when I pause like that, it's like, okay, what's he going to say next? Nothing special. Here's the deal. Waking up early for me, it's not fun. I'm a guy uh, who does not like to wake up early. The snooze button is my very good friend. My constant companion these many years is the snooze button. Right? Nine minutes is what those things are set for, I think. And is that not the best nine minutes? Oh, my gosh. Sometimes my body's just not feeling it. It's not feeling it. Right? That alarm goes off, and it's like, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm thinking I'd rather flip this pillow over to the cool side. You know what I'm talking about. And just, like, let it go for a couple hours. Let it happen. Settle in. A couple more hours of sleep, a little more rest. But I don't, usually. And the reason I don't is because I have a calling in life, right? I have things to do, people to see, bills to pay. And sleeping and staying in bed isn't going to be consistent with that. We're doing the things that need to be done. Those things won't get done. So I push against the desires of my body, which is saying, forget snooze button. Just turn it off, turn over, and go on welfare. That's my body, right? <laughs> That's my body. But the spirit says, get your hiney. Is hiney okay? I don't care if it's okay. Out of bed. I get to work. And so the spirit tells me what I need to do, and I push against the desires of my flesh, make myself get up where the Lord makes me get up. And there ought to be areas in your life, or there are a lot, I don't know if there ought to be, there are a lot of areas in your life where your body is signaling one thing, but your mind, which wants to go to the spirit, is signaling something else. I'll give you another for instance. When I drive by a fast food restaurant and I smell French fries. I know none of you like French fries, but they are about the best thing, right? Like that's ever been. Like you don't make anything that tastes that good. I would just be honest with y'all. So I'm thinking to myself when I drive by, when I go to three McDonald's, I just want to say, just give me all of the French fries. Whatever French fries you have, give them all to me. Then I want to drive into a parking spot and just eat them while I'm crying and, you know, <laughs> you know, and just having this whole thing going. That's what I want. My body's like, give us all the French fries. But I know that if I eat all the French fries, eventually I'll be one of those people where they have to like cut a hole in the wall to get me out. You know, and I feel bad for those people, but that's who I would be if I listened to my body about the French fry thing. So I can't. I can't listen to the body about the French fry thing because it will destroy my body and my mind, right? It's not good for me. The desire of the flesh I push back against and I don't eat all the French fries. We're kind of constantly at war with our bodies, right? The more we battle, the better we get. We can get better. The more we set our mind against the desires of the flesh, the more we win. Some of you will watch this message later today or later this weekend, realize, as I'm saying this, that you lost the battle this morning to get up and get your hiney to church. You'll recognize, hey, listen, there's some L's and some W's in the column. Let's get it, let's get it together. Let's get it together and get it back. We're going to win the battle next time. Some of us lost battles this week to our flesh. 
We're going to win the battle today, right? The world wants to tell you that you can do it in a certain way. There's a lot of self-help out there. A lot of very shiny-looking people who will yell and have you stand up and talk about how powerful you are. You've got the strength in you. You can do it. You can fight it. And they've got this sort of white-knuckle approach to dealing with the sins of the flesh. You can do it. You've got the strength in you. Let me just tell you something. From a biblical perspective, nonsense. It's nonsense. You cannot do it that way. You cannot white-knuckle your way into defeating the flesh. Many of you have tried. Good luck. You have the strength inside you. Yeah, no, that's not how it works. We know from the scripture from last week's message, what's in the flesh, there's nothing good there. There's nothing good there. There's nothing inside you that's going to do it. It might be a great way to sell books, right, videos. It's nonsense. You do not have the strength inside yourself to win the battle with the flesh. You might be able to win in one area or another. You'll find people who are like, yeah, I lost 150 pounds and I'm doing this. You know, that's great. There are people who can do one thing for a while. And then you go, but what about this area in your life? What about that area in your life where you've got addiction or sexual immorality or whatever? Right? They're not winning the war. You can sometimes win a battle. If you put all of your focus into it, you might win a battle with the flesh, like the French fry thing. But you're not going to win the war, all the battles with your flesh, by white-knuckling anything. And eventually you won't win it anyway, even those guys who stay in great shape. You, how many professional athletes have we seen that are just ripped, just like, tunk, tunk, tunk. you know, they got the, like me, they have that like 12-pack thing going. <clears throat> Not like me. And then like a few years after they retire, they look like me, you know, just like they're, you know, Kevin Duck. Remember Kevin Duckworth? He was big while he was playing. That guy was huge. I'm talking like have to get him out through the wall thing. These guys, they can win the battle while they've got that thing to do it for, and then as soon as that's over, they lose. You can't, because you can't do it that way. You can't do it that way. Controlling your way, controlling your finances. Meanwhile, you've got an addiction to sex or drugs or whatever on the other side. It doesn't work. We're not, as, Christ, as Christians, as Christ followers, we're not looking to win one battle or the other. That's not our goal. Our goal is to win the war against the flesh. People sometimes are drawn to church because they have problems with addictions or anger or uh, gossip or sexual sin or envy or whatever. They want to fix it, right? No problem. That's good. You should want to fix that. If you've got those problems, you should want to fix that. But going after just that thing isn't really the way that we handle it. We need to be transformed completely so that we're winning the war in general against the flesh. In general, the total war. We want to live in the power of the Holy Spirit all the time, all the time, in every way, fully surrendered to God and fully committed to the life of a Christ follower. We're saying a lot about surrender this morning. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that because you've got to understand that we have to be fully surrendered to God and the power of the Holy Spirit if we're going to have any chance of letting God do what he can do in our flesh, and we're going to read about that. So if you're struggling with sin this morning, or you aren't even really struggling, you've just kind of let it go. The flesh is sort of running rampant in one area or another of your life. God has told us the answer to that, how to live in the spirit and not walk according to the flesh. We've been studying the book of Romans uh, for a while now. This is the 18th um, sermon in that series. I'm actually surprised how far we are in 18, to be honest with you. I feel like we're getting better at uh, getting through things. Three years through Acts, I think we might get through Romans in two. Um, so that's good. But we've been in Romans for a while, uh, and Romans is, is God-breathed, inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's this letter that Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the Roman Christians, the believers of Rome. They were Gentiles, they were Jews, they live in Rome, this big city, and he's telling them things, all kinds of things about the scriptures and, and who God is and what he means and who we are, what the gospel is, and how to live. And they need all that instruction. And so it is just power-packed with so many things, both telling us about the nature of God's plan and who he is and what he's done for us, but also, as we get through, how to live, how to walk in the spirit. And so it's some pretty amazing stuff. Uh, we're beginning chapter 8 today, and we sort of get both. We get sort of that 
uh, what God is doing. It's, it's sort of the glorious conclusion to the gospel argument that we've been talking about. But it's also, how do you walk in it? How do you live in it all at the same time? So as the gospel argument does come to its glorious conclusion, where we're being exhorted and encouraged and hope, this chapter, chapter 8 of Romans, is, you know, I don't know if I could only take one chapter of the Bible. Like, I was going to be on a desert island. I had one that I could read. I, I might take this one. This one is fire. It's good. That's a good thing, right, kids? Fire? Okay. I don't know. It's really, I'm old. All right, first we're going to read the very end of chapter 7 so we get some context for where we are in the argument. If this is your first time, by the way, this is what we do. We, go, can we kind of go through the Bible sort of line by line, verse by verse. We're studying the Word of God. And one of the reasons for that is because I'm not that smart and don't have that much to offer you from sort of my own head. So what we're doing is we're studying the Word of God because this is the, this is the Word of God. This is the Scripture. This is what God has revealed to us. So this is what we want to study. I could talk a lot about how to be a good this or a good that or whatever, but we study the scripture here at Acts Church. And so if you're new, I just want you to be aware of that because we read a lot of scripture and it might be a little off-putting if you're not used to that. A lot of scripture. There are Bibles in front of you in the thing there. If you don't have one at home or yours is broken, um, and if you haven't been reading it, it might be broken. I don't know. Uh, But take one of those. That's our gift to you. You don't owe us anything for it. Uh, Just three easy payments of 19. No, I'm just kidding. There's nothing. You don't owe anything for it. Just take that with you. You can read it out of that or on your phone. It's, the scripture will be on the screen. Let's get into it because last week you heard Dr. David and Dr. David, uh, Dr. Dave, Pastor, the, the guys that were up here last week, right? They were talking about Romans 7 and this whole thing. And if you'll remember, uh, it was about the fallen world and the fallenness of our bodies. This is the end of the chapter, 7, 24, and 25. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And that's where we kind of left it last week. A little kind of hopeless. Like I've got to deal with this body of death forever and it's going to be the worst. But listen, listen. What was important about that is that the desire of our mind, if you're regenerated, is to do good. I do not think that most people, believers or unbelievers, wake up in the morning and twist their mustaches and say to themselves, I want to do evil today. (laughs) I don't think that's what people do. I think very few people do that. That's not how it works. They do evil because they walk according to the flesh. They do the things that make them feel good. They do what they want to do, and the want is coming from the flesh. That's why they do evil, because they want to do what makes them feel good in that moment. And then you go, that's so evil. And they go, I wasn't really thinking about it at the time. I was just thinking about me. Because the flesh is extremely selfish, right? That's what they do. The flesh wants to do evil. The flesh wants to sin. The flesh wants to break the law of God. The flesh is about the flesh. That's what it's about. All those things that you don't like about yourself, all those things that cause shame, guilt, all of that is the flesh. All of that is when you have sown to or looked to the flesh in your life. That's where all of that comes from. Even unbelievers generally know the difference between right and wrong. They, they understand it. They show the laws written on our heart. If you remember from Romans 2, uh, several weeks ago, we were in that, and it says this. This is verses 14 through 16. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. When God judges the unbeliever and they say, I didn't know it was right. I never had one of these Bible things. I didn't know what was going on. He will judge their hearts and say, your conscience was excusing you or accusing you. You knew it. How? Because I wrote it on your heart. They have no excuse. That is the chapters where, where, he, where he was taking away our excuses. That was the part of the gospel argument there, if you remember that. Everyone knows the law. God has written it into Scripture. He's written it into nature and on our hearts. And on our hearts. But as Romans 7 points out, as we went through last week, we do what we do not want to do. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. These, then, are the two points I wanted to make. First, that human beings all over the earth have this curious idea 
that they ought to behave in a certain way and cannot really get rid of it. Secondly, that they do not in fact behave that way. They know the law of nature, they break it. These facts are the foundation of all clear thinking about ourselves and the universe we live in. This is a little commentary on what we're talking about right now. Everyone knows what's right and everyone breaks it. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, right? We have this problem that we know what's right, that we don't do what's right. These facts are the foundation for all clear thinking for Christians also. This is why the Lord wants us to understand what's here in Romans, because we've got to understand ourselves and what's happening. What's happening? The difference between those in the world and those in Christ is that we have the Holy Spirit, and we are not slaves to sin. We are not slaves to sin, Romans 6, 22 through 23. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You've been set free from sin. The body actually does not have the hold on you that it has on an unbeliever. It doesn't have the hold on you that keeps you from being able to live to the Spirit. That's not you anymore if you're in Christ. Now, if you're not in Christ, that is you. But if you're in Christ, that's not you. The unbeliever remains a slave to sin. If you're an unbeliever today, you don't know Jesus, you need to become a Christ follower to experience the peace that we're going to study today. You need to become a Christ follower. There is no tertium quid, as the Latin people would say. I don't know how they pronounced it. No one knows. It's a dead language, okay? But a tertium quid is a third way. A third way. There's like, okay, there's the Jesus-following way, and then there's the rejecting Jesus way, and those are, but there must be some third way, like a middle way, like where I can sort of do this or sort of that, or I can pick a different religion. No, there is no tertium quid. There's no third thing. There's no other way. There's the way of Jesus Christ that leads to life, and there is the way of the sin, the flesh, and the devil, which leads to death. That's it. John 14, 1 through 6. Let not your heart be troubled. This is Jesus talking. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And here it is. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no tertium quid. No one comes to the Father except through me. You want to be where he is? You got to go through him. You will not, here's, this is so important. You will not fully understand who you are and how you're living until you understand that you're eternal and that we're thinking eternally. We're thinking eternally. You know what the enemy wants you to have? Myopia. Myopia. You know what myopia is? It's nearsightedness. Nearsightedness means I can see the things close to me very clearly, but anything very far away gets very blurry. When you have myopia, you can see right in front of you, but the stuff that's very far away doesn't even, doesn't come into the picture. I think I have a bit of hyperopia, which is the opposite, where I can see things far away just fine, but things that are very close are blurry. That's why I now wear these beautiful reading glasses. Because I don't have myopia, I have hyperopia, right? But I'm talking spiritually. So many people have spiritual myopia. They're not thinking about the fact that they're an eternal person made for eternity. They're distracted by every little thing that's right in front of them. Think about the world you're living in. Distraction with everything that's right in front of you. Focused on what? Politics? You think that God cares about what's happening to the level that people are freaking out about it? He doesn't. You know why? Because he's God. He's got it under control. When you freak out, when you, if you look, if you have neighbors, friends, whatever, and they come over to your house, and every time they come over, you are, I was going to use a word I shouldn't use, I could filter, caught it. Uh, you are complaining about politics. Every time, it's like, can you believe that 
Trump, Biden, that's what you're doing every time. You know what they think? They think this person is really worried about what's going on in the world, that they can't, that, that this is what they focus on. They must not trust God very much because this is all they think about. Listen, I'm not trying to get on anybody. Been there, done that. Got the t-shirt. It wasn't a MAGA t-shirt and it wasn't a Biden t-shirt. It's just a t-shirt, okay? I got the t-shirt. I used to be so into that. I used to watch all the new stuff and the little squares of the heads are like, rah, 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 and they go back and forth. I'd be like, yeah, whichever one I was for, right? Like I have my opinions and all that, but let me tell you something. I don't freak out because I don't have myopia, right? People are so concerned about what's in front of them. Every new headline, they're freaking out. Oh my gosh, another COVID. Secret, you guys ready? It's going to be around forever. There's always going to be another COVID. And if there's not, we always got monkeypox, okay? <laughs> so we don't have that, murder hornets, okay? There will always be something. How much are you going to let it shake you? Well, a lot if you have myopia. If you can only see what's right in front of you, then that's enough to get you freaked out. Obsessed, inflation, ah, we're all going to die. If you are old enough to have been in the early 80s, you know, come on, this is nothing, okay? When you're getting a 24% loan on your mortgage, then come talk to me, okay? Don't, I can't help you, but um, we freak out. I'm not saying you shouldn't have an opinion about it. I'm not saying you shouldn't talk about it. I'm talking about freaking out. We're freaking out. Natural disasters, environmental doom. This one, oh my gosh. Hey, did you recycle that? I forgot to. We're all gonna die tomorrow. All the ice caps are gonna melt, everyone's dead. Just freaking out. Do you think God might know what's going on? Now, I'm not saying, I'm saying steward the earth. That's, that's a command to us from the Genesis. But my goodness, stop freaking out. Stop freaking out. You got to understand that you're eternal. You got to understand that you're eternal. When you get so freaked out about the things that are right in front of you, you know what you start to do? You start worrying you start having fear and the flesh starts coming out. Now you need to have that extra drink just to feel okay. Now you got to have that little extra time with the porn to feel okay. Now you got to have you filling in. Something you're sowing to the flesh because you're so freaked out about the world and the life and your finances. And blah, blah, blah. If you're eternal, you see a long way. We're already seated in the heavenly places. You've already been made spiritually alive. You don't need to live worrying about every little thing. Now, I'm not saying don't think about anything. I'm just saying, man, don't be so moved. When you look, when you're myopic, it's all about comfort and pleasure and fear and worry. It's just a distraction to your calling. What's your calling? The spreading of the beauty of the good news of the gospel. That's why it's on the wall every time you walk into this church into this building. You are the church. This is the building. But every time you walk into this building so we can gather together, you got to walk right by that wall. And that wall tells you. What does it tell you? Your job. Your job. Make disciples for Jesus Christ. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all that he's commanded. Why? Because he's with us always, even to the end of the age. You mean eternally? I mean eternally. So why are you freaking out? Why are you distracted? You know how I handled COVID? And I've had it like three times. I went, okay. I'm going to do what I can do to be as safe as I can. I'm going to try to love other people. And that people are on one side or the other, just like, you know, you, know, you remember. It wasn't that long ago. And I'm, I tried to deal with them. But me personally, my own heart, I wasn't very moved. Okay. When this one won a presidency or that one won a presidency or this Supreme Court justice or that or this case or that, I don't get very moved. I go, Bummer or good, and then I move on. Why? Because I'm already seated in the heavenly places. I don't want to have hyperopia so that I don't see what's here, you know, so that I'm not paying attention to what's going on now. I'm so focused on that. I just want to have 20-20 vision. Deal with what's here. I got to pay the bills and whatever. I can't just sit there staring at heaven like the people, you know, when, when the Lord gets ascended and they're gone. And like, what are you still doing here? He's going to come back like that. He'll get to work, right? I'm not a stargazer mouth breathing, waiting for Jesus to come back. But believe this, I'm waiting for him to come back. 
I'm working while I do it, but I'm looking forward to eternity. It's hard to move me with the present time. And I got all kinds of stuff just like you do, all kinds of stuff in my life. People going through stuff, family members going through stuff, friends going through stuff, difficulties. I can see the news just like you can. Everyone's shooting everybody. People are pooping all over the streets in Portland and whatever. Like, I get it. It's gross, right? Like, Portland and Tegucigalpa, Honduras, like, I'm starting to weigh towards Tegucigalpa. Like, that's, I'm being serious. It's that bad. Like, I feel worse about Portland than I do about Tegucigalpa. And Tegucigalpa is a full-on third-world country, okay? Well, it's not a country. It's a city in a third-world country. I get it. Does it move me? Am I freaking out about it? No. Why? Eternal. Eternal. We're eternal. We got to understand eternity. And if we're looking to eternity, you know what becomes way easier? Trusting God. Because if you see his promises as eternal promises, then you can understand why they might not exactly happen on your timeline. But all I can see is this. It needs to happen right here, right now. It's got to happen right here. I need a husband. I need a wife. I need another job. I need a wife. Okay. Okay. Maybe. Maybe that's what you need. But he's got an eternal view. All things are going to work together. We're going to get to that. For good, for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. That's this chapter. But you've got to have an eternal mindset. You've got to understand his promises eternally. Then you won't be moved by the myopic worries of the world. We've got to understand the only way to be with the Lord is to surrender our lives completely to Jesus. That's what he's called us to do. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. So have 2020 vision. See today for what it is. I'll tell you what it is. You don't know what it is? It's the dying gasps of a fallen world. We're at the end of the age, folks. This is the, you are seeing the dying gasp of the fallen world. Satan knows his time is short. He is not happy about it. Those who are his are going to be evil. Those who God is calling to himself, we're responsible for to be his hands and feet, to draw them to be hospitable to them, to teach them, to make disciples, to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, to teach them all these commanded because he's with us always, even at the end of the age. Amen. That's our job. The other stuff's going to happen because it's the dying gas of a falling world. Waiting for what? For the redemption that God brings. That's what you're waiting for. You're hoping for. You're looking for. If you're all hoped on this, you can't be all undone by this. It's not going to happen. We've got to see eternity for what it is. It's the glory of transformation. You're going to be you, fully you. Not you with this broken body. The other day, my leg was totally jacked up, and I have no idea why. It just happens. The older you get, the less reasons you have for why you're all messed up. Like, oh, my leg just fell off. You're like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I woke up. This is what it was like right? Like, that's what happens. Yeah, I'm ready for the transformed body. I'm looking forward to that. I already see it. I already know it. Moved by all this nonsense. Yeah, the world is really jacked up. They're going to get worse and worse. You know, we're going to get better and better because we're his. We're his children. We don't have to fear any of that. We walk in it, a light in the darkness. Darkness can't overcome the light. Christ is the light. We're walking into it. We march against the gates of hell. They can't come against us. It may be difficult to watch what's happening, but you're in the Lord and you're eternal. Please stop being myopic if you are. When Galadriel and Gandalf and Bilbo and Frodo leave at the Grey Havens, people are like, you are such a nerd. Listen, listen, I, I totally am. When they leave at the Grey Havens to travel to the Undying Lands, this is the end of the Lord of the Rings, right? All the battles against darkness, all whatever, and then there they go. They take off to the Grey Havens, and it looks like it's the end. It's not the end. It's the beginning. It's the beginning. That is the eternal place. That is the place where, having overcome evil, the king returns in Aragorn, things are set right, and then they're going to eternity with the Lord. That's what we're looking to. That's what we're looking to. This stuff here, this is nothing. This is a short time. This is nothing. We're going to go to him. That's what he's talking about. In my father's house, there are many mansions. I'm going. Where are you going? 
I'm the way, the truth, and life. Come through me, and you'll see where I'm going, and it's going to be real good. Really, really good. We go to him, to Jesus. He has a place prepared for us in his father's, excuse me, in his father's house. We are his bride. We're his beloved, and we're made for eternity. We are eternal. You got to understand that to understand what it means to follow Christ. You have to understand that you've stepped into the good side of eternity. There is a bad side of eternity. That's where you are if you're not a Christ follower. And you shouldn't be looking forward to that. Myopic, hyperopic, 2020, if you're not in Christ, it's all bad. It's all bad. As Paul says, if Christ hasn't risen from the dead, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. I guess do the best you can for your body because it's going to get worse and worse and worse for you. But if you're in Christ, it's getting better and better and better for you if you'll keep your eyes where they're supposed to be. And if we want to understand Romans 8, we've got to understand that. So now that I'm 30 minutes in, let's get to the first verse of Romans 8. <laughs> 8 1. There is therefore now, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Here the argument blossoms. We see the word therefore, so we know we have a conclusion drawn from the argument that has been set up in the prior chapters. Remember the verses in chapter 7 that we had already read just prior to this. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And then this is the next verse, because that verse has a question and answer. A question and answer. Who will deliver me from the body of death? And then he says, who's going to deliver him? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. What does that mean? That God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, is delivering him from the body of death. Is delivering him from that. God will deliver us through Jesus Christ. Then he mentions that the mind serves the law of God, while the flesh serves the law of sin. So what's God going to do? How he's going to deliver you? That you can go towards the spirit instead of towards the flesh. That you have the ability to do that. We have these beautiful, powerful words in Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Therefore, now. What's the now about? Now that Christ has died and risen, now that you are in him, no longer do you have to deal with it. There's no more condemnation. You know what condemnation feels like, you sinners, right? I know. I'm a wicked man and a sinner. I know what it feels like to be condemned, and I know the power of, therefore, now there is no condemnation. You gotta, you gotta wake up in that. You gotta walk in that. No condemnation. Do you even know who I am and what I've done? And Jesus says, that's as far as east is from west. That was, that was killed on the cross. No condemnation. Therefore, now there is no condemnation. I mean, this is some, this is some good stuff. Christ has taken on sin and defeated it. He's paid for our sin on the cross that we should no longer bear the shame. We're saying about it today. The cross was enough. More than enough. More than enough. Christ, the perfect Lamb of God, crucified. Why? For you. You. He was thinking about you. How could he think about all of us? Because he's God. He was thinking about you and died for you. He destroyed the power of sin in our flesh that we are no longer its slaves. You were at one time its slave. That's why you couldn't do what was right. He set us free from the wretchedness of men and women who are under the tyranny of the sinful flesh, and he has given us his Holy Spirit. This is really good stuff. If you have an eternal mindset and you understand that stuff about the flesh, about the spirit, this is really good news. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. We are free. We are free. We talk about freedom a lot in this country because this is a country where we're supposed to be free, right? That's the idea. Freedom is a, is a virtue that we, that we espouse. Sometimes it's there. Sometimes it's not. That's where we get into all the politics stuff. What's freedom look like? Whatever. I don't care. Let me tell you where you are free. You are free from sin. Free from the law of sin and death. Do you, do you, can you comprehend it? You're free. Do you know what it costs? 
Everything. Everything. Why would God, God who made us, come down and die for us? It's my understanding, but it's beyond the most amazing thing that I've ever experienced is the love that he had in that. His death and resurrection. We're free. We're not under sin. If you're struggling with sin, it's because you're not walking in the Spirit, not because you are slaves to it. If you are a Christ follower and you are struggling with sin, listen to this. It is not because you can't do otherwise. Oh, the devil made me do it. Bull. It's because you're not walking in the Spirit, which you have. It's your birthright in Christ Jesus, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Verses 3 and 4, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. It's condemned. It's gone. You no longer have sin in the flesh that binds you and holds you and makes you its captive. That's gone. The cross did that. The Lord did that by being perfect, dying and rising again. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. How are you walking? How are you walking according to the flesh or according to the Spirit? You don't have to walk according to the flesh. That is, that is the amazing news here. We have the news of salvation. That's been the gospel. This is the other part. After salvation, as we move forward, you no longer have to walk in the flesh like you had to before. You were a real slave of sin and death. You were under the power of Satan, the one who rules the, the ungodly, right? That's done. You are ransomed and set free. Those of you who have read the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which is a great book. You should read the Chronicles of Narnia. It's fantastic. If you haven't, what are you doing? In any case, Edmund goes and he betrays. He betrays his family, betrays everybody. And Aslan, who represents Jesus in this, has to give his life to ransom Edmund back. Of course, he rises from the dead. It's a very cool gospel story. But that's you. Under the dominion, because of your own sin, of death. And Jesus has ransomed you. Do you think he ransomed you and said, okay, now you're back under that? No. Why the heck do we want to keep going back under it and keep living like we lived then when we were children of wrath? We don't have to. Jesus condemned sin in the flesh. He took away its hold on us. We do not have to walk in it because Jesus came and lived and died and rose again. You need to understand this. We do not have to walk in it. We who are in him live in his victory in the Holy Spirit. So we do not walk according to the flesh. Let me tell you what walking according to the flesh looks like. Verse number five. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds, think about the place of soul, right? The decision-making, the will. Am I willing to the spirit? Am I willing to the flesh? They're setting their will, their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. So what does it look like to walk in the flesh? It's when your mind starts focusing on the things of the flesh. Then all that temptation when your own evil desires come, it drags away and entices them when sin gives birth to it, right? You've read that in, in the book of James. This is what's happening. You're putting your mind on the flesh when you have every ability to put your mind on the spirit and live in the spirit. You don't have to let this body pull you around like it's your master. If you'll just have an eternal view and look to the Spirit instead of to the flesh. What does the Spirit say to me? Where is the Spirit leading my spirit, which has been made perfect? What's going on? Why am I thinking about this thing? Is it the flesh or is it the Spirit? Is it the flesh or is it the Spirit? Now, I'm not saying never eat ice cream. Right? I'm not saying that nothing that feels good. Now, you know, there's some sort of asceticism. Right, let's just go, let's, I brought whips, we're all going to just beat ourselves in the flesh. Like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about sin to the flesh. I'm talking about living to the flesh in that kind of a way. It's all right here. We live according to the flesh if we set our minds on the things of the flesh. 
We live according to the Spirit. We set our mind on the things of the Spirit. Now, the unbeliever, you're just checking it out today. You're just online. You're just whatever. Uh, you don't have any ability to set your mind on the things of the Spirit because your spirit's dead. You are spiritually dead. That's the good news. You can be spiritually alive in Christ today. If you're feeling something happening in your heart, that's the Holy Spirit calling. That's the, your Father, God, calling you to himself. Listen and surrender to him. If you are a Christ follower and you're walking according to the flesh, let me just tell you something. You've begun to put your mind on the flesh. You become myopic and distracted, and you're focusing on the flesh instead of on the spirit. If you complain a lot, you probably have your mind on the flesh. If you find yourself kind of struggling with sort of the basic sins of the flesh, you got your mind on the flesh. But it's so hard. Yes and no. If you put your mind, your will to the Spirit, God will draw you out of all of that. He'll draw you out of all of that. If you are, if you have your mind on the flesh and you're a Christ follower, there should be some conviction in your life. You should be feeling it. Unless you keep quenching the Holy Spirit. And if you do that, you know that what he does then, he sends somebody like me or your brothers and sisters here who come and go, what are you doing? And they hold you accountable. If that doesn't work, the Scriptures hold you accountable. And if that doesn't work, the spankings start coming. Chastening. You either haven't been born again, and so you just do whatever you want, and you live according to the flesh because you're in the flesh. Or you've been born again, like, like us, who are Christ followers, in which case, if you're living in the flesh, it's because your mind is focused on it. If you're not, if you're not in him, you can follow him today. The process is simple, and it's eternally life-changing. This is what Romans 10.9 says, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What is it? Believe, confess, be saved. You know what happens? Bam! Your spirit is alive. He's made you a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You no longer are a slave to sin. You can walk in life. You can have peace that surpasses understanding. You can have joy. What do you have to do? Well, you got to maintain looking to the Spirit. Your salvation is sure, but walking isn't. Walking isn't sure unless you're going to live to the Spirit. You can be a Christ follower and be saved and get all kinds of sideways. How do I know? Been there. Been there. How do you know? Been there. Got to look to the Spirit. Got to live to the Spirit. I know the darkness of walking according to the flesh. And I know the light and the glory and the joy and the peace of walking according to the Spirit. I prefer the second one. It hurts less. The true sons of the Lord. And when I use the word sons here, I'm talking about those who inherit. Under that system, those who inherit. Whether you're female or male, you are the inheriting sons, the children of God his sons and daughters. The true sons, they get chastened. You know what chastening is? Discipline. You live according to the flesh, let me just tell you, been there, I got that t-shirt too. The discipline and the chastening of the Lord are very difficult. Repent. Repent. Do it. Do it today. Turn from it. Confess. Repent. Follow the Lord. Five through eight. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Listen, to be carnally minded is death. Whether you're an unbeliever, which it's leading you to death, become a believer, become new, become, become alive spiritually in Christ. But if you're a believer, the, to be carnally minded, you start being carnally minded again, it leads to death. What does Paul say about the one who's sleeping with his father's wife? Look, he says, get, get him out, right? What does he say about the teacher who are teaching false things and won't repent? He says, get him out that their flesh may be destroyed, that their soul may be saved. What is he saying? If you continue to live looking to the flesh when you are in Christ, there's only a couple ways. The spanking and the coming back, as that first guy did. I don't know what happened to these other guys because the other way is death. They'll just kill you. They'll just kill you. Not very fruitful when you're dead. That's so harsh. 
We're supposed to be nice all the time. We're not. We're supposed to tell the truth all the time. I do love you, but I can tell you for me, this is true for me, this is true for you. If you want to walk according to the flesh and you've got the secret stuff and you want to keep doing it, I, I, let me just tell you something because I have watched this. Things will get worse and worse. You may be okay for a while. If you have myopia, you might be all right for a while. Just right here, but it's, if you get very far, let me just tell you what's going to happen. The chastening will become severe. And it won't just harm you. You will end up harming the people around you. And in the end of it, if you won't turn, he'll just kill you. It's reality. Welcome to church this morning. Here's the really good news, 8, 9 through 11. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he's not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Listen, Christ followers. You have the Spirit of God dwelling in you. And the same God who raised Jesus from the dead will give life to your dead body. This is, what, this is what's going on. This body that has been just a, a drag to you, the Spirit will give you the power to bring it into submission and be, instead of an instrument of death, an instrument of life. We'll use that dead body to be the hands and feet of Jesus. That's what he'll do because you have the Spirit. That's what you can have. You don't have to live losing the war to the flesh like some unbeliever. You can live winning the war through the power of the Holy Spirit. You're heirs. You're heirs, children of God. You're redeemed. You're forgiven. This is important. It's all been important. Sometimes I just say that because I have to get to my place on the thing. 1 John 1, 5 through 10. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's amazing. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Listen, let me just tell you, y'all should read all of 1 John this week as a supplement to what we're doing today. It's amazing. If you are in sin, that's the good news for you. Because we all sin. You say you don't sin, you're a liar. You're calling God a liar. We all do. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all our righteousness so we can walk in the light as he is in the light, not in the darkness anymore. That's where we need to be every day. Get ourselves in the light. Get ourselves in the light. Confess this thing that we've done, the little battle that you lost here or there because you looked at the flesh and said the spirit, and direct your mind to the spirit to live that next day in him. I don't care what you did yesterday. I don't care what you did this morning. I care what you're going to do now and tomorrow. The Lord separates the past as far as he says from west. There is no shame. As we already read, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But move forward. Let's lose the myopia. Let's move forward. We get distracted. Sometimes the flesh wins. We all sin. The Lord has provided the perfect lamb to take away our sins, Jesus Christ the righteous. That is the gospel. But we should not continue to walk in it. Verses 12 and 13. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You've got to put to death the deeds of the body. How? By the Spirit. Remember I said you can't white-knuckle it? Remember I said that the self-help guys who tell you the power is in you, you have the strength. Nonsense. How do I know? Because the scripture says it right here. It says it right here. How do we live by the spirit? How do we put to death the deeds of the body? Spirit of God. Spirit of God. There's only one way. The Holy, you got to give the spirit. You got to give the spirit 
the, the right to come in and put to death the deeds of the body. That comes in surrendering. So we sang a lot about surrendering this morning. That comes in surrendering. That comes with being humble before the Lord, letting him lift you up. Surrender. Oof, I got too much more. We're at 1123. Um, you guys get it? I don't care. You can, you can watch it later. Here's the deal. I'm kidding. I do care. Here's the deal. You are not your own. When you live looking to the flesh, you are living like you are your own. You're stealing from God that which belongs to him and giving it to whatever idol and functional savior you have built in your life. Stop living like that. There's no more playing games. We are at the end of the age and people's souls are on the line. We are called to something. You are called to something important. You're not here just to listen to the fat guy talk. That's not what you're here for. You're here because you have a calling and a mission. Can we live that out this week? Not myopically, but with eternal mindset? Can we build his church with people made in his image and likeness that need to know him? Yeah, we can. We can. We just got to live in the Spirit. I'm going to ask Scott to come up. I'm going to ask him to start passing out the communion. Uh, it's important to me that you guys have some time today. And I'm going to give you a, about a minute while they're passing this out to just, it's going to be quiet. Because I want you to think about where are you looking to the flesh? Where are you living to the flesh? Where do you need to confess and repent? What is God calling you to? Because he's faithful and just to forgive you. I want you to think about that. If you don't know Jesus, I just want you to walk straight out back those doors right there. Walk into that room and pray with somebody. If you're online and you don't know Jesus, just email us. Put it in the comments, whatever. We'll get, we'll get in touch with you. We'll tell you all about how to know Jesus. But if you need to confess, start now. I'm not going to have you close your eyes so that they can pass these things out. You guys can go ahead and start passing them out. We're just going to be quiet. And then we're going to remember the Lord's Supper. And one of our elders, Scott Robertson, is going to do that with us. In a minute, I'm going to have the team come on up because we're going to play some music after this. Remember what it cost so that you could live according to the Spirit.